0: If you've been coming for a while, we're in the midst of a consecutive expository series subtitled, Seeing Jesus Together in the Gospel of Luke. And remember, Luke is the guy that is mainly targeting the Gentiles and his gospel. And uh, today we are picking up Jesus having recently been rejected by his own hometown of Nazareth has come into Capernaum, and has already cast out demons and uh, brought healing to Simon Peter's mother-in-law there in Capernaum. That became Jesus' new ministry home and home base. Our scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Once again, I remind you, this is not the word of men, but The word of God, hear it carefully with close attention. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But your word let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish. And their nets were breaking. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch a fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, They left everything and followed him. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Father, once again, we ask for your help and your assistance. Lord, do not leave us to ourselves, our own devices, our own self-importance. Father, we are in need. We are like Peter, sinful men and women, boys and girls. And we need to see Jesus together today. Will you give us a fresh view of him, whom you love and we love? And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Much of my boyhood adventures. Involved water sports and fishing on a dam, on the dam controlled rivers of the Tennessee and the Coosa. Tennessee that breaks down and dips down into Alabama, and the Coosa, which was right in my back door when it was dammed. It became a a place to ski and do a lot of other things, and do a lot of fishing and fly fishing in a P-Row. If you don't know what that is, ask me about that afterwards. But I especially enjoyed fishing with my dad and my Uncle Tom. Now, you know why I put the air quotes up there, right? If you're from the South, you've got a lot of uncles that aren't blood relatives to you. (laughs) But they are your uncle Fred or Uncle John or Aunt so-and-so, but they are close friends to your parents, and they are like almost like family. So my Uncle Tom was a, was a, a, a pretty good fisherman, and he loved to fish, fished in lots of places. And, uh, and through the years, I specifically remember going with my dad and my Uncle Tom up to Mud Creek Fish Camp in Scottsboro, Alabama, on the Tennessee River. It was an angler's paradise. There, were, there, was, there was great fishing, and we always, my, my uncle would come back with just huge catches of fish, brim and crappie, and sometimes large bass. Now, that was when I was growing up. But do you know that 2,000 years ago, there was another body of water that was alive with great variety of fish and fishermen. There's something like 25 different fish in that lake. Interestingly, it was called by Luke in this text the Lake of Gennesaret, but most people know it as what the Sea of Galilee. Now, have you ever thought about why would why would uh, Luke give it a different name? Well, don't forget. He sailed the Med with Paul. Now that's a big body of water. He probably looked at at the Sea of Galilee and said, Sea of Galilee? That's a freshwater lake. At any rate, we're getting off track. For we know that Luke does not tell us a fish story in order that we will admire the fish. He's telling us so that we will see Jesus again today in his gospel. So, today's outline is this. It goes like this. The coaching, the cast, and the catch. Now, in order to get that alliteration, I had to kind of bend the word teaching a little bit, but that is a synonym coaching so in order to keep the the uh, C alliteration um, I had to do that but anyway uh, the teaching the cast the catch or the the coaching the cast the catch all right let's dig in to verses 1 through 3 now if you recall from last week Capernaum the town that Jesus had determined to be kind of his new headquarters was on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And it was also where, guess what? Peter lived and his brother Andrew. And you heard in, from the text, they were in partnership with these two other dudes named James and John, the sons of Zebedee. <laughs> We'd like to be called by Jesus the sons of thunder. Okay? So... Let's just get a little more orientation here, and I'm going to try to throw this up uh, on the screen. The first, uh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Why isn't that brand-new battery? And let's see. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. There's Capernaum, the red uh, in the center, right up at the very north of the Sea of Galilee, or Lake Gennesaret, as uh, uh, Luke called it. And remember, Jesus would have come from over in this area, and through the Valley of the Wind and Doves and established here. And probably the fishing would have taken place something like this. Next slide, please. All right. There's a, there's a picture of the Sea of Galilee. You can see it here. And this is where he would have come through. That's the Mount Arbel. That would have come where he would have come right through that valley and into this area of fishing. Tiberius would have been further on down next slide that's another uh view uh looking over on the uh, uh east side of the lake or the sea uh one another one please next I think we know that person, don't we <laughs> that is mrs g that's uh louise uh take it, scooping up some water uh, it could have been right here that Jesus Uh, was out in that boat that we just read about. could have been right in this area. It could have been a little bit further down or whatever, but that's that's, X marks the spot. And one more, I believe, I think we have. And by the way, um, their fishing vessel did not look like that. That's a that's a contemporary vessel. There is a one that you can see parts of, and uh, of the what the the original would have been uh, would have been much more shallow in draft from that, and that's why they threatened to over, overturn uh, when the fish uh, haul was so great. All right, thank you very much, operators. Thank you. Um, now, Jesus had already announced that he was sent to be an itinerant preaching pastor he was sent to preach the gospel of the kingdom and that he did Luke told us that last time in Luke uh, chapter 4 verses 42 through 44 and then in chapter 5 where we are now looking at today it opens a scene of people thronging to listen to Jesus but by this point Things have really gotten out of hand. It's not just a few people in a synagogue. It's spreading like wildfire. People are coming from all places, and the crowds are growing and amassing. And yet they were wanting to hear the teaching of Jesus there. And Jesus had, as it were, apparently, backed up and backed up as the crowds kept coming in on the shore of the lake. And finally, Jesus looked back and realized He was about to be in the lake, but the press of the crowd was so great. And the multitude was growing larger and larger and crowding Jesus there on the edge of the lake. So Jesus, using his surroundings to his advantage, created an ad hoc amphitheater. If if you'd looked at those, again, those those, uh, images that I showed you of that mountain and where it literally would create at the base of that bouncing off of those huge high mountains would have created a a tremendous uh, uh, ability to create uh, amplification, great amplification, so that all of the multitudes would be able to hear. And Jesus also asked Simon, remember, to anchor his boat just a little bit out, enough to where they wouldn't be getting in, but where he would still be able to speak and for them to hear. And he sat down, as was the. Remember, we realized you stand up to read the word uh, was common, but the teaching was sitting down. And, uh, and so he sat down in Peter's boat. Now, speaking to Peter, who was at this point exhausted and tired and sweaty. And finally, he sat down to listen also. Now, why was he exhausted, tired, uh, sweaty? Because he'd been fishing all night. He and his crew, his brother and the sons of Zebedee, they had two boats and they had been fishing all night and they had gotten nada, zippo, nothing. They were good fishermen. They were successful. They knew how to fish. Not a thing. They were frustrated, tired, fatigued, and so they said, Well, we might as well listen to a sermon. Now, the second section here is the cast, verses four through seven. Now, wouldn't you know, wouldn't you like to know what Jesus taught the people that day, that morning? Amen. <laughs> That morning they people Jesus had been healing apparently through the night as well. they all must have been exhausted, and yet, wouldn't you like to know what he was teaching? Maybe it was about discipleship, maybe it was uh, about uh, trusting God and, and and even when you can't see how things are going to work out? who knows we don 't know. Luke didn't give us any of those details, but what we do know is this, Jesus gave some instructions in verse 4 to Simon. Listen to what he said. And when they had finished, when he had, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. By the way, those nets were what you would call drag nets. They were huge, a design to to gather and curry a, a huge number of fish and then to draw that in and then be able to pull the nets into the boat. But the interesting thing is the command that Jesus gave was plural. It was plural. So, basically saying, not just one boat, both of you, send another boat. And empty boats that have been empty all night long, and yet, he's sending them. And the thing that really makes no sense, or so it seemed, is why in the world now that the sun's up, And it's getting hotter. Why in the world would you go out into the deep? You see, to Simon and possibly the rest of his disciples, this was a fool's errand. They'd already done this. They knew what they were doing. And they had nothing to show for it. They knew he was a fisherman and he knew fish retreat to the depths to stay cool during the day, to get into the depths. And so Jesus is sending them out where there's there's no way there makes any sense at all. Simon knew you fish at night and he'd already done that. How was that working out for them? It was like Jesus. It it was almost like as if probably Peter had something he'd probably, I know he didn't say it, but it was probably in his mind, and it would have been maybe in yours and mine if we had been there. Jesus, come on, stay in your lane, bro. Stay in your lane. (laughs) I'm the professional. I'm the fisherman. You don't know what you're doing. But, however, not long after following the master's instructions, Peter saw the top of the net become so taut, so taut, That it was about to break like a fiddle string. And he realized, oh my. And they started, he he hollered out to the other guys, get over here, help us. Another team of fishermen quickly came to the rescue, but both boats were in peril of sinking. There were so many fish. Never had they seen anything like this. Not in their wildest dreams. And both of the boats were filled with this miraculous catch. Eventually, the boats rode to the shore with their vessels barely visible, probably really close to the waterline. Just a little tip and would have taken in water. Now, consider the catch. That was the cast and what it had yielded. As the fish came in, Peter must have been just completely lost as what to think. None of this made sense. He must have been already, we know he's already exhausted physically, but he must have been overtaxed and overwhelmed. You see, on the face of it, his reaction is surprising. We would, if it was us, and you would think he would do something like this, that he would he would expect. Joyful he would be he would be um, uh, just jumping up and down for joy and great enthusiasm. after all, what had Jesus just done in light of what had happened to them? they got skunked, and now, in light of what Jesus has brought this fabulous amazing catch, Jesus had just turned. Their financial fortunes right side up. Jesus had turned a financially devastating night into an unprecedented windfall. But what, that's what you would, that's logic. That's what you would be saying. They'd be jumping up and down. Hey, thank you, Lord God Almighty. You know, but that wasn't what Peter did. He was dazed and confused, all right. But he was thinking about other things. Trying to put the pieces together. And instead of rejoicing at this great catch, at this great gift that Jesus had given them, Peter falls at Jesus' knees and begs him, Jesus, don't even look at me, go away. Don't come near me, for I am a sinful man. The text says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Is it, you see, is it that Peter sees who Jesus is as the Lord of all creation Probably so. He gets that at that point in time. He's not that obtuse. He gets that. And that helps him see that if that's him, what does that make me? I'm a sinful man, far more than I ever thought. There was probably in Peter A lot of arrogance. It shows up in other places. (laughs) There were other opportunities for him to show that. But you see, Peter seemed for all his acquiescence to having assumed a certain superiority to Jesus. And now all of that is blown to pieces. Peter thought he knew Jesus. He realized that morning, I don't know anything except that guy is my future. That's called discipleship. You see, now, in light of that, listen to what R.C. Sproul The late R.C. Sproul says about this text: We notice that Jesus did not. This is the gospel is so beautiful here. Despite Peter basically thinking Jesus doesn't know what he's doing, thinking he's obviously a neophyte, Peter's the one that's got the stuff. And he might even help Jesus from time to time. Instead of that attitude now that's been blown to pieces. And Sproul says, We noticed that Jesus did not lecture Peter about his sins. He was right, he was a sinful man, more than Peter even realized. Jesus knew that. We noticed that Jesus did not lecture Peter about his sins, there was no rebuke, no word of judgment. All Jesus did was to show Peter how to catch fish. But when the holy is manifest, no words are needed to express it when you're in the presence of God. And Peter knew he was. Peter got the message that was impossible to miss. The transcendent standard of all righteousness and all purity blazed before his eyes. Like Isaiah before him, Peter was undone. That's the right response before a holy God. I'm working on this somehow, some way, whether it's with the choir or some kind of a uh, a greater um, quartet or something there 's a wonderful wonderful worship song that I want us to learn and i 'm just going to quote you just a few words from the from this song and it 's right in the ballpark of what Sproul is talking about in the presence of a holy god it is only the name of it's only a holy god i tempted I was tempted to sing it but i 'm not going to you you get you get off today, who else could rescue me from my failings? who else would offer his only son? who else invites me to call him father only a holy God, only a holy God come and behold him the one and the only. Cry out, sing holy forever, a holy God. Come worship a holy God. That's what Peter was doing that morning. That's what Jesus was showing him as he saw Jesus together with his buddies in a way he had never imagined, or dreamed. And yet he wasn't consumed. He wasn't cast out. He wasn't derided because of the gospel that Jesus would make a reality that the guilty sinners can go free because of him. You see, one of my favorite popcorn flicks is Night. And day K-N-I-G-H-T As in a medieval night Night and day Starring Tom Cruise And Cameron Diaz And by the way One of the other reasons I like that uh, movie She's got my goat My 67 gold goat That one spot on Same one I had So that adds a little something But in this movie, Tom Cruise is a CIA agent. And guess what? You won't believe this, but he's being chased by a bunch of other CIA agents trying to snuff him. They're bad guys. (laughs) They've gone corrupt. They've gone rogue. And he's got something they need to get. And somehow, Cameron Diaz gets involved in this thing and at one point in the thing, she, they keep getting just that close to getting snuffed and, put, and taken out. But she keeps not paying attention to him. And he finally gets real frustrated and basically says, look, you need to listen to me. And here's the line. He said, listen, your life expectancy is like here. With me, it's up here. Without me, it's down here. With me, without me. With me, without me. She finally gets it, starts doing what he said, because there's no way out without that. Do you know that's what Jesus was doing? Gently, graciously, but he was saying, Peter, without me, no future. With me, sky's the limit. You cannot imagine what I will do with a bunch of fishermen like you. You see, Jesus is essentially saying, with me, You can do all things. Remember what Paul said? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Jesus went on to later say, You will do even greater things than I did while I was here. But without him, Jesus was saying, Everything that you touch will come to no avail. No lasting kingdom significance. And the last part of verse 10, the metaphor Jesus uses is inverted. Here's what he said in verse 10. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. For now on, you will be catching men. Now think about that, that word picture, that metaphor. Jesus is turning something once again right side up. But it's inverted. He has a penchant for that. Remember, he's told us what? The gospel tells us the way up is where? Down. And the way down is up. Way down. When you go down, that's when you can truly go up. And Jesus is using this inverted metaphor. Think about it. While fishermen snatch living fish away to their death. Fishermen go in and snatch living fish To be eaten. To die. Peter though Jesus says on the other. And his other disciples. Will be engaged in snatching. Spiritually dead people. Away into life. Life everlasting. He's going to take. Like Ezekiel's bones. And that vision. And those bones are going to walk. Dead men. Jesus is going to turn it around and take something that's spiritually dead and bring it to everlasting life. I am the resurrection, the life. He who believes in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. You see, when Jesus calls, he certainly does demand everything. He doesn't want half-hearted followers you're either with him or you're not and when he calls he certainly demands everything but only because he has already given us everything in himself he demands a lot if you're going to be his follower But he's already given you everything because he gave you himself on the cross. And he rose again. And his plan is to restore all things. To make everything new for us and the world that we would have never dreamed of. That is what Jesus does with willing disciples but it's all it's all his and we can have that because of his gift jesus is telling us though the task is not done it's not over it's not finished his task here on earth 2,000 years ago in his mighty resurrection and ascension was his finish. But that's just the start of making all things new. And we're in the middle of that now. Jesus is telling them and us the task is not finished yet. Matter of fact, there's a wonderful uh, Getty hymn that we've sung here a number of times. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. I wish I had uh, in time, but I didn't want to throw a last minute out there with it. But facing the task unfinished. Just listen to these last, the words to that. We go to all the world with kingdom hope unfurled. No other name has power to save but Jesus Christ the Lord Jesus Christ the Lord that's the unfinished task to go into all the world he goes with us he goes before us and he can take us where we will never could never imagine into a future beyond our wildest dreams because where he is we belong to him amen Let's pray. Father, thank you for again teaching us as you taught by the Sea of Galilee. Father, simple lessons, but profound in impact. Father, continue. Make us willing to be your disciples and remember that the task is not finished. That's why missions must go on. Father, until that day and when you come, And bring everything into rightness. Lord, until then, give us faith, hope, and love to walk with you. And we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.